these are the bunt hits for Wednesday, October 11th. The narrative for Game 3 between the Phillies and Braves began after Game 2, when reporters overheard Atlanta's shortstop Orlando Arcia lightly mocking Philly star Bryce Harper for his base-running blunder which resulted in a double play ending Game 2. It was circulated that Arcia had said, boy, Harper, when celebrating the win with his teammates in their clubhouse. For these two division rivals who are facing each other yet again in a pivotal playoff series, there is likely no more motivation needed to give everything on the field. However, this quote would certainly give the media and the Philly fans something to run with before the game. Moving to the action on the field, Aaron Nola would get the ball in front of an electric Philly fanbase, who relentlessly booed each Braves player during their introductions, especially Arcia. Nola was in control early, working out of an early jam in the first after Braves corner infielders Riley and Olsen got a pair of two-out singles. All-star righty Bryce Elder is who Brian Snitker chose to start Game 3 for Atlanta, though his season was somewhat of a mixed bag. Before the All-Star break, Elder had an ERA of 2.97, but after the break, it was 5.11. Early on, Elder looked like he was in his first half form, striking out four Phillies in the first two innings, throwing his hardest slider of the season at 86.8 miles per hour. Ronald Acuna Jr. would get his first knock at the series with a one-out double in the third, and Ozzie Albies would swiftly knock him home with a line drive single to right. One to nothing Braves. However, things would take a quick turn in the other direction in the bottom half of the inning, starting with a Nick Castellano solo shot to tie things up. Marsh and Turner both would reach, bringing up Bryce Harper with two on. Elder would make a critical mistake to the Philly star, leaving a meatball right over the plate in which Harper proceeded to hit that John into oblivion. 4-1 Philadelphia. As Harper rounded second, he stared directly at Braves shortstop Orlando Arcia as Citizens Bank Park exploded. Alec Bohm would follow the blast with a single, and then Bryson Stott would walk, ending Bryce Elder's night then and there which had started with so much promise, but completely imploded in the third. JT Realmuto would knock in the two inherited runners, batting around in the inning and extending the lead to 6-1. to one. Acuna Jr. would single and steal a bag in the fifth, but nothing would come of it as Nola continued to dominate. In the other half of the inning, Harper would step up again and destroy yet another one, this time to straightaway center, staring down Arcia again during his home run trot. This was Harper's first multi-home run game in the postseason and gave him the most home runs in NLDS history with 10 total. Attaboy Harper indeed. Aaron Nola would depart in the sixth to a loud ovation from the Phillies crowd, his final line being five and two-thirds innings, six hits, two runs, and a playoff career high nine punchouts. Another brilliant outing from Nola, in which could be his final stretch playing for the team that drafted him, as he will be a free agent at season's end. Trey Turner would get Philly another run on a solo shot in the bottom half of the frame, and then Castellanos and Marsh would go back-to-back -back in the 8th, bringing the Phillies' home run total to 6 on the night. Tied 
for the most in a playoff game in history with the Cubs from Game 3 of the 2015 NLDS. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Orion Kirkering, and Michael Lorenzen would shut the door on Atlanta as the game finished Phillies 10, Braves 2. Yet another game in which Bryce Harper immortalized himself as a postseason hero, as his career postseason slugging percentage for players with a minimum of 150 plate appearances is third best, trailing only Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Much of that damage has been done against Atlanta, where in his seven games he has gone 13 for 27, with five home runs, 10 RBI, and a slugging percentage of 1.148, and an OPS of 1.697. The Citizens Bank Park crowd was also relentless all night, standing at every two-strike count and mocking Atlanta's fans by doing their tomahawk chop to rub salt in the wounds. The Phillies are now 25-11 at the bank in the postseason and have outnumbered their opponents there by 30 home runs, the largest home run differential in the postseason for any team in any stadium. This game paralleled their massive Game 3 victory at home in last year's NLDS series against the Braves, in which they also scored six runs in the third inning, where a slugger also blasted a momentum-changing three-run homer, that time it being Reese Hoskins off of Spencer Strider. Now the Braves will look to avoid the repeat of what happened in that series in Game 4, as they will send Strider to the mound against Ranger Suarez in a win-or-go-home game for Atlanta. After this one, Orlando Arcia, upset by the leak of the attaboy Harper quote by the media, said, No. He wasn't supposed to hear it. That's why we were saying it in the clubhouse. Unfortunately for Arcia and Atlanta, Harper did hear it, and he and the Phillies fans used it in their massive Game 3 win. It was announced before Game 4 of the ALDS between the Twins and Astros that Minnesota had made a roster change. Alex Kirilov had been moved to the injured list and Byron Buxton would replace him on the roster. Buxton, who hasn't played since August 1st, has been at the heart of the Twins roster since his call-up in 2015, despite being plagued by injuries. He and the Twins needed a win at home in Game 4 to send the series back to Houston for a deciding game, and they would send out righty starter Joe Ryan to start things out. It was planned that Ryan would begin the match but have a very short leash, which was proven true being pulled after just two innings, having allowed a solo shot from Michael Brantley in the second. For the Twins offensively, Royce Lewis stepped up yet again and blasted a solo shot of his own in the bottom of the first off of Astros starter Jose Urquidy. Lewis's homer was his fourth this postseason, tying him with the most in a single postseason in Twins-slash-Senators history with the late great Kirby Puckett back in 1991. Orkidi, who is not phased by the big moment, has pitched in 13 playoff games before this one, and despite a bumpy regular season in which he was out with a shoulder injury for three months of it, looked in control early on, messing both with the timing of his windup as well as running down the pitch timer to the frustration of the Minnesota crowd. In the fourth, lefty Twins reliever and Northfield Minnesota native Caleb Thielbar would come in to face Jordan Alvarez, but again, the Cuban lefty would single off of Thielbar, 
his first hit that wasn't an extra base hit in the series. Two batters later, fellow hulking Cuban Jose Abreu would get a hold of one for a critical two-run blast, giving the Strohs a 3-1 lead, his third home run in the past two games. The longtime White Sox first baseman Abreu struggled in his first season in Texas, posting by far his worst career offensive season in the regular season. However, the veteran has been a great clubhouse presence and now is stepping up in the moments that matter the most. Great defense was on display for both teams, as Astros infielders Jeremy Pena and Alex Bregman both were making great defensive picks to help Urquidy silence Twins' bats after Lewis's first inning blast. In the sixth, Eddie Julian, who had walked and doubled off of Urquidy already, sparked the crowd in Minneapolis with a solo shot, cutting the lead to one. Urquidy would get one more out before manager Dusty Baker pointed to his bullpen to relieve him. Hector Neris would come in, walk Royce Lewis, and then send down Max Kepler on a questionable called strike three. Meanwhile, the Twins' bullpen went to work against Houston in the middle innings, with Chris Paddock and Griffin Jacks bridging the gap to the eighth inning when Joanne Duran took over. Brian Abreu, who was working on a 30-inning scoreless streak dating back to July 18th, got the bottom of the eighth for the Astros. He quickly sent down Donovan Solano on strikes, and then Byron Buxton stepped up to pinch hit, his first at-bat in months. Unfortunately for the longtime Twins star, he wasn't able to be the hero in this one as he harmlessly popped up to the first baseman. Abreu would extend his scoreless stretch to 31 innings. Duran would keep the Twins within one after a clean top of the ninth, meaning that the Twins' 2-3-4 hitters would have to rally against Ryan Presley, who has not allowed a run in his last 16 postseason appearances and is 12-for-12 in save opportunities in the playoffs. On a full count, Presley would get Jorge Abreu swinging for the first out. Then, on a full count, Presley would get Royce Lewis swinging for the second out. Then, on a full count, Presley would get Max Kepler looking for the third and final out, leaving postseason star Carlos Correa standing on the on-deck circle. The Twins battled all night, and their fans were with them every minute of the game, but in the end, they didn't have enough to be the giant slayers. Minnesota has much to be proud of from their showing this season and postseason, the biggest being getting the monkey off their back, ending their historic 18-game postseason losing streak. With a young and budding core backed by strong veteran leaders in the clubhouse, they proved that their team is for real despite making it through the weakest division. For the reigning champion Astros, their dynasty continues, now moving on to their seventh consecutive ALCS, the second longest streak in baseball history. And it will be a lone star battle as they take on their division rivals, the Texas Rangers. It will be an excellent matchup between two unstoppable offenses that have been red hot this postseason. And at the helm of both teams, veteran managers, Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker, who are 68 and 74 respectively. The series starts in Houston on Sunday. The final game of the day was between the Arizona Diamondbacks, who lead the Los Angeles Dodgers in the series 2 to nothing. 
Looking to clinch a berth to the NLCS and sweep the division rival, the D-backs gave rookie starter Brandon Fott a chance to redeem himself after a poor performance in his postseason debut in Game 1 against the Brewers. Fott would be in control early, sending down Dodgers hitters 1-2-3 in the first and second innings. His counterpart, Burley veteran Lance Lynn, was also up for the challenge early on. Lynn, who had had a brutally bad start to the season with the White Sox, was traded to LA as much-needed starting depth and performed admirably in his 11 starts with his new club. Now, in a must-win game, he would start off by putting up zeros in his first two innings. Fott would shut down the Dodgers in the third, but for Lynn, this is when things came crashing down. D-back shortstop Geraldo Perdomo, who had not gotten a hit yet in the postseason, blasted a leadoff homer off of Lynn to start the inning, 1-0. His middle infield partner Cattell Marte would come up two batters later and get a hold of one, making it 2-0. Stepping up next is first baseman Christian Walker, who clubbed a big fly, 3-0. Catcher Gabriel Marino then yanked one down the line, clearing the fence, seemingly making it 4-0. However, after umpires conferred and a replay review, it was determined that the ball had gone just foul by a couple of feet. No matter, Moreno stepped into the box again, and on the very next pitch, he would demolish one deep to center, an unmistakable home run celebrated by a bat flip which Moreno launched almost as high as the ball he hit. With this blast, Moreno became the youngest catcher to have three or more home runs in a postseason run. As quick as a snake bites, the Arizona offense produced yet another crooked number on a Dodgers starter. The 36-year-old Lynn was completely shell-shocked walking off the mound, never having been teed off like the Diamondbacks had just done in his whole 12-year career. The Snakes became the first team in postseason history to smash four homers in an inning. Once again, the Dodgers' bullpen would have to pick up the pieces after their starter imploded early. In total, LA's starters went just four and two-thirds innings while allowing 13 earned runs for a 25.08 earned run average. Utter carnage. Fott would continue to deal until he was removed in the fifth after a one-out double from Dodgers backstop Will Smith. Smith, however, would not come in to score as the Dodgers' bats were ice cold aside from him and Kike Hernandez. Their bullpen, on the other hand, was doing a good job of keeping things close, apart from a bases-loaded scare in the 5th. LA showed some semblance of life in the 7th, producing a two-out rally by stringing together four straight singles to cut the lead in half. However, their stars were once again dim in this one, as Betts and Freeman both struck out in the 8th on pitches well out of the zone, giving them just one more opportunity in the top of the ninth. Paul Seawald looked to finish LA's season and got off to a good start by striking out Max Muncy. Will Smith would come up and get his third hit of the night, a one-out single, meaning that the tying run would come to the plate. Chris Taylor gave the ball a ride in his at-bat, but unfortunately it was to the longest part of the ballpark in deep center. This flyout would have been a home run in 22 other major league parks, but not in Chase Field, where it mattered most. Kike Hernandez, with the backdrop of Beat LA chanted from the Phoenix crowd, would fly out harmlessly 
in the next at-bat to end the game, as well as the Dodgers' chances of winning a title this year. Since 2017, the Dodgers have had five 100-win seasons, and they could not win a World Series in any of them. This great regular season comes to an abrupt end at the hands of a division rival that they dominated in the regular season, running parallel to last year's loss to the Padres in the NLDS. This time, it was their starting pitching and the lack of hitting from their offensive stars that did them in. While their starting pitching injuries and suspensions resulting in a lack of depth had been known as an exploit before the series, the complete lack of production from Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman comes as an absolute shock after both produced MVP caliber seasons. However, in the postseason, the two went just 1-21, for 21, and their second-best-ranked offense that averaged 5.6 runs per game could only muster 6 in their three-game sweep. Many questions will be asked of the Dodgers' future due to their recent playoff failures, having only won one World Series during their 11-year stretch of dominance in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. For the D-backs, things could not have gone any better in the postseason for them so far. Eliminating two division winners in the Brewers and Dodgers, neither series looking particularly competitive. The number six seed that barely scraped their way into October with an 84-78 and record have won when it mattered most going 5-0 in the playoffs. Their offense has relentlessly poured on runs early in the game, and their top two starters of Gallon and Kelly have shoved, while their bullpen has proved to be a real strength. Now they await their opponent out east, the winner of the Phillies and Braves series. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in tomorrow for a recap of Game 4 of the final remaining series of the Divisional Round. The Phillies versus the Braves.